0: I didn't realize how much snow was out there, so I almost didn't allow enough time to clean off my car, Uh, but here we are, we're all good. Appreciate everyone that's here. We got several visitors, and I got in my hand two cards of two members, uh, two former visitors who want to be members. Uh, Brother Barrett and Sister Eve Elise, they want to join us, and they want to be a part, so we are happy to have them, Uh, so get to know them. They sit right in front of Greg and Stacy here, so if you don't know them, please get to know them, and we are glad to have them here tell you what, I would like everyone to do something with me for just a second. I have never asked this before, and I may or may not ask it again, but I would like everyone to raise one of their hands. I don't care which hand it is. I would like you to raise your left or your right hand, and I would just like you to hold it up here for just a little bit, please. So we're reading this passage here in Galatians, the fifth chapter, and I was supposed to run a race yesterday. I was supposed to run a half marathon in Brooklyn, And I had a very specific time in mind, and when the forecast kept showing up of we got snow like one to three inches, I'm thinking, okay, I've run this race in one to three inches before, and it's really not that big of a deal, I'll do it. Well, then it got up to like three to five inches, and I was like, eh, I don't know if I'll be able to run it in the time I want. Then it got to four to six inches, and I was just like, I'm not going to do it. And I got to think about this passage here in Galatians 5. You were If you were running well, what hindered you? Or who hindered you is the way that this particular passage is. And I got to thinking about people that might hinder me from running well in a race. So if yesterday it wasn't anybody who was slowing me down. It was something that was hindering me, that was keeping me from running well. And I got to thinking about that spiritually speaking, right? that there are things in our life that hinder us from doing the most simple things. Now, you can clearly see, as if you can see your neighbor beside you, or you can see my arm, that clearly one of the things that hinders us is fatigue. You can put your hands down now. <laughs> I saw Everson back there in the very back. He's all stretching his arm back there. Because flat out, fatigue is something that hinders us. If I had to tell you, like, you have to keep your hand up for the next five minutes, the majority of us would not be able to keep our hand up for the next five minutes. That's a difficult thing because our arm got tired. Imagine if we had both of them up, right? See, fatigue is very much a spiritual factor. We don't think about that as much, but we're going to look at some Bible examples today of people that were tired and some problems with that. And so this morning we're going to look at some causes of fatigue and spiritual fatigue as well as some dangers of that. And with the dangers, usually we'll notice a solution to that issue, but we're really going to focus on those dangers. And I want to focus on fatigue in particular because at our thing that Greg plugged on Friday night, our men hanging around watching the Devils game, we were talking about how I never get into REM sleep. Uh, I rarely ever get there. Well, I'll have you men know I got there last night. I had a dream. And the dream was I was preaching the funeral of my best friend from high school. I was like, I'm pretty sure I don't want to get to REM sleep very often if these are the types of dreams that I have. But when you think about it, if you are tired, things don't go as well as you would like for them to go and you would plan for them to go. I want to start this morning by talking about some causes of fatigue and spiritual fatigue in general. You think about what we just did. Holding our arm up, I don't know how you classify that, in any other way besides overuse. The arm is not meant to hang up over for this period of time, right? It is designed to dangle down, to be resting upon your body or what have you, and sometimes you need a little support. Well, if you flip to Exodus, the 17th chapter, we'll see an actual example of something much more difficult than I asked you to do there for, I don't even know if it was a minute and a half. Uh, but we'll we'll be generous and say it was three minutes. You know, that was hard. That was difficult. Well, when the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt and they are going about, the Amalekites, they come and they fight them. They come and they come against them in verse 8. And you would see that Amalek, they came and they fought with Israel Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. And tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. You know what, I'd like that job in battle. You go fight, I'll go to the top of the hill and I'll just rest on my staff that would be a sweet gig, right? Not that way, verse
1: 10. So Joshua
0: told Moses, and he fell off with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And whenever Moses held up his hands, his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek prevailed. So picture that for a second, right? So our hands are up. Whatever our team is, whatever our army is, they're doing great as long as our hand is up. Our hand's getting tired. I don't know how low he had to lower his hand, but you could maybe see it change in the battle. So picture for a second. you ever kind of doze off? you a little tired? Maybe you're sitting there, you're watching a movie, or you're at the ballet like I was a few weeks ago, and the music is just, and you feel your eyelids going down. And you're like, don't do this, don't do this, and you, you, you kind of jolt up. Or maybe it's during a sermon, right? right. You, you, yeah, yeah. Well, that's right, right? <laughs> you you, you, you jolt up. Well, that's probably what happened in the battle. He's like, hey, hands Now get it back up there or my boys are going to die. Well, notice how he gets a little help here, right? So whenever he held it up, so verse 12. Moses' hands grew weary. And so they took a stone and they put it under him. And he sat on it, while Aaron and her held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands were steady until the going down of the country. I'll tell you what, man. That's somebody helping you out when you're tired. And we're going to come back to that in a second. But until the sun went down, hands were in the air. That is an amazing Story of why the children of Israel were able to win a battle. It clearly showed that the power was not in them and in their army. They named the place, The Banner Over Us is the Lord. He is the one who fights for us. And that is a great story, but the truth is, if any of us had to do that, would there be anything physically we could do on our own to keep our arms from getting tired? There is nothing that we could do. The overuse would do it. And you think about another cause. Another cause is malnutrition. So when you're running and you're in pretty decent shape, if you're running a very long distance and you don't refuel your muscles, guess what they start to do? They start to eat themselves. They start to attack. And so you don't have the strength that you once had, and so now you have muscle cramps. Now you have muscle failure. You have all these different things. And you can even see an example of this uh, in a battle of Jonathan and the Philistines in 1 Samuel 14. And I want you to flip there in 1 Samuel 14. You remember back in the days of King Saul and then after him King David, one of their biggest enemies was the Philistines. In the days of Moses and Joshua, it was the Amalekites. But the Amalekites were finally wiped out completely in the days of Saul, except for King Agag and then Samuel took care of him uh, when Saul did not. But we get to the days of Saul, and Philistines are the enemies. And they would just pick on Israel. And they would do this, and we would know from chapter 17 of 1 Samuel that they had a big old giant by the name of Goliath who would go out and pick on Israel. But before we ever get to that in chapter 14, we have the Philistines pressing on the children of Israel very hard. And the children of Israel are somewhat tired and they don't really want to fight. But Jonathan says to his armor bearer, let's go get these guys. What would stop the Lord from delivering us by the hands of many or by the hands of a few? He says, we got to go. So he says to his armor bearer, okay, so here's what we're going to do, armor bearer. I don't know what the armor bearer's name is, but I'm going to call him armor bearer. Armor bearer, we're going to go And we're going to say, hey, Philistines, here we are. And if they say to us, come up, we've got something to show you, the Lord has given them into our hands. But if they do not say that or they say anything else, we will turn back and we will not go. And I wonder what the armor bearer's look is on his face when he hears this plan. But nevertheless, the armor bearer goes with him. Jonathan, all this great courage in the Lord that he could deliver by many or by few. So they go, and the Philistines say, come, we want to show you something. And Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and says, let's go. And they go up, and he begins to strike them, Jonathan does, with his sword. He kills 20 people on the first strike. That's pretty impressive, right? He's not just wounding them, he's killing 20 of them, one strike, boom, down just like that. He comes through. He fights. The rest of the army of Saul's army—they're looking around. And they can see the crazy confusion going on in the Philistines' camp, and they say, "What's going on over there? What is happening?" And so they finally decide that they're going to join in the battle. They're going to press. They're going to go. And so they go over and they begin to rout them. But you pick up in verse fourteen of—or excuse me, verse twenty-four of chapter fourteen here—that the Lord saved them. Verse twenty-three, and they pressed the battle on. So verse twenty-four. So the men of Israel had been hard-pressed that day. So Saul laid an oath on the people. and He said, Cursed be the man who eats food until it's evening, and I am avenged of my enemies. They've been picked on all day, is what he's saying. They had been pressed. And he says, We're getting vengeance on those people, and you're not eating until I get it. So none of the people had tasted food. Now we're twenty-five. Now when the people came to the forest, they're chasing them in the forest. When they came to the forest, behold, there was honey on the ground. And when the people entered the forest, behold, the honey was dropping. But no one put his hand to his mouth, for they feared the oak. you ever been so hungry and so starving or something, but you can't have what is there and you really want it? I've learned that really uh, frequently here in the last, since June, right? Where I'm starving, and I really would like to have that piece of bread. But it's got gluten in it, so I can't take it because I am afraid of the consequences. That's kind of what we got going here, except for who knows what the king is going to do to me if he finds out I ate what he told me not to eat. But it's sitting there, it's dropping in front of you. It's looking so beautiful. You didn't go out looking for it. Just behold, there was honey on the ground. But you couldn't do it. Well, Jonathan, verse 27, in contrast, he hadn't heard his father charge the people with this oath. Because guess what? He was out fighting the battle. He wasn't around sitting out there in camp. And so he put the tip of his staff in his hand and he dipped it in the honey and he put his hand to his mouth and his eyes became bright instantaneously, he gets life again. He gets some strength again because he just put a little bit of honey, sugar, carbohydrates in his body, which is what we fuel on as we are running these races, is basically straight sugar. You just want a sugar that can break down very quickly. But this honey gives him life immediately. But the people saw it, verse 28. They said, your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, cursed be the man who eats the food this day. And Jonathan said, well, my father's troubled the land. See how my eyes have become bright because I've tasted this little bit of honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies that they found. For now the defeat among the Philistines has not been great. You see, when you don't have what you need in your body, you can't function at 100% capacity. And we kind of know that from a term that we use. We get a little hangry, don't we? When we're hungry, we have a tendency to get a little more angry a little faster. And so we have combined those two words to say, man, I'm hangry. We've got to get something in. Well, here they weren't angry. They were exhausted because they needed just a little something. Think about that spiritually speaking for a second. Have you ever had to do something over and over and over again to the point where you get tired of doing that thing over and over and over and over and over over again? And usually it's a good thing. It's something that once was great. It was wonderful. Think about the children of Israel for a second. They come out of Egypt. They are complaining about not having food. And the Lord says, fine, I'm going to send you food. Six days a week, go out, and gather food. Every single morning, be there. So they ate that man for 40 years, basically. Same thing every single day. And they got tired of it, didn't they? Said, we want some, we want some meat to eat. Or Lord said, oh, you want meat to eat? I'll send you plenty of meat to eat, right? Put it up to their nostrils uh, in the meat and made them graves of craving. All of those things you get tired over. Spiritually speaking, do we ever get tired of hearing the same things over and over again? Oh, if you're not baptized, you're not going to be saved. If we have any, whatever, you go through it. Or, or do we have to hear another lesson on giving? Or do we have to hear another lesson on Jesus and the twelve apostles? Or do we have to listen to another lesson on you name it? And we get tired of that. And so usually when we get tired, we don't listen as well. Because it's not interesting to us. We're just not there. Or maybe it's actually doing something. Maybe I'm tired of like Galatians 6, like Michael talked about last week, bearing one another's burdens. I am tired of always having to help them out. They always need something. When the phone rings, they need something. When they text, they need something. And I am just tired of it. Think that ever happens? It happens, right? Does that hinder me? From doing the right thing that God would have me to do and being faithful to God in that day. It absolutely does. What about this other side of it? This other side of malnutrition. How do you become malnourished, spiritually speaking? You're not getting healthy, sound doctrine, would be that term from the New Testament. You're not living by the words of God. Remember what Jesus says, he's being tempted in by the devil in the wilderness. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What if I'm not even eating on the words of God? And I'm eating on all this sugar and all this candy of all these things that sound good, or things like 1 Timothy 4 would talk about, these myths, this irreverent babble which does no good to the hearer but only brings harm, if I'm not eating the right things, I'm going to be malnourished. And I am not going to be able to perform, spiritually speaking, at 100% capacity. And that's on me. Because I have chosen to put that into my body. So you think about that, I think it's pretty obvious how we can see that we can fit into that. So what are some dangers of that? i got five dangers I want to talk about for a second here. What are some dangers? Obviously, I want you to go to Galatians 6. I referenced this passage of Galatians 6, of this bearing one another's burdens, as, as we talked about, because as we've been talking about this quarter of edification and building one another up, like flat out, sometimes that's just what's required, right? If you think back to that Exodus 17 passage where Aaron and her helped Moses hold his hands up. He couldn't have done that by on his own. But the tendency would be in chapter 6 here of Galatians is that if you look down at verse 9, we talk about this all the time. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up or lose heart or grow faint, your translation may say. You see, the tendency is when you get tired, you just quit. That happens when you run a race. I am exhausted. I'm going to quit. Or I am tired of working on this job tonight. I am going to quit. And if you've ever been tired and you quit something, and you try to go back and do it without getting the proper rest, How well does that usually work out for us? Same thing. I think about this when we go skiing and things. I like to ski for as long as I can without ever taking a break. Because the instant that I take a break, it is really hard for me to get back into it. And that's all it takes is that little break from doing the right thing. It really makes it difficult to ever get back in and say, you know what, I'm not going to go fight that battle today. It's too cold. It's too wet. Or spiritually speaking, that thing is too hard. I'm just done with that. And what he's saying is, keep doing the right thing. He would basically say the same thing to the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, where they got people who aren't willing to work. And they need to rebuke those who aren't willing to work. And so in verse 13 he says, don't grow weary in doing good. It's like... That's just Christianity 101. You're going to get tired if you do the right things over and over and over again. And what he's saying is, do your best not to get tired. Keep doing it. You might need somebody to help you out. Or you might need to look like somebody else. Think about Hebrews chapter 12, a passage that we probably frequent when we're thinking about exhaustion. And we're thinking about, as Bob talked about today at the table, problems that got in the way of Jesus. One of the things that I think about is Him having to carry that cross, right? He'd been beaten. He'd been spat upon. He had, been, had thorns placed on His head. He had not slept that night. And then here, here's this big old tree. You carry it up the hill. And we know that he fell, didn't he? But he didn't give up. He still went on. So verse chapter 12, verse 1, therefore, since we, that would be you, that would be me, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily clings to us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured. That's the word I'm going to use there. Endured. Endurance. He despised the shame and He is seated at the right hand of God. He didn't give up. He endured. And how many times do we see the New Testament telling us we need to have endurance? You need to have patience. You've got to put up with things. Don't give up. Because in due season, Galatians 6, you stick to doing the right things, there will be reward. It just may be a long time from now. There will be a seat, to use Hebrews chapter 12 there, seated at the right hand of God. But sometimes we don't give up. Another danger of being tired and exhausted really from overuse is the inability to go on. You just can't. That's Moses, right? Moses, no matter how much he wanted to hold those hands up all day long, he could not do it, right? Aaron and her recognize that. And so, as Galatians 6, they bore his burden. They gave him a seat, and they put themselves in a difficult situation to hold his arms up. I want you to think about that for a second. Have you ever had to help somebody and give them support underneath their arms or hold them down or whatever the case? Do your arms get tired too? Absolutely they do. This is the teamwork here. It's not just Moses who is tired this day. They're all tired. But why are they going through this? Because of the battle. Because they were told to do this. They wanted to win, so they go through it. But if they hadn't had somebody else to help them, he never makes that. You never get through that. And so you've got somebody who was a very valiant warrior. I want you to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 21. You've got someone who is known for being a man of war. And he goes out to battle as an old man. And he goes out to battle here. And it might help if I'm in 2 Samuel and not 2 Kings. And things don't go quite as well as they used to go. King David goes out in verse 15 against the Philistines in 2 Samuel 21. There was war again between the Philistines and Israel. And David went down together with his servants. And they fought against the Philistines. And David grew weary. I want you to think for a second. This is after he has stayed at home and slept with Bathsheba. This is down the road. So he is older. There has been a lot of hardships in his family. It's almost like I wonder if he thinks going out to war is what is good for him. But he goes out to war and he grows weary. And Ishbi Banab, one of the descendants of the giant's, whose spear weighed 300 shekels of bronze. I don't know how heavy that is, but that's heavier than a barbell. Uh, so he's walking around with a big old spear. He was armed with a new sword, and he thought to kill David. Think about what's happening here. Old man, exhausted, being chased by a giant, With something bigger than a barbell. Is he gonna win that battle? Can he run away from him? But Abishai, verse 17, the son of Zeruah came to his aid and he attacked the Philistine and he killed him. And the men swore to him, you shall no longer go out with us to battle lest you quench the lamp of Israel. David, you're done. You can't do it anymore. Does that ever happen spiritually speaking where we just can't do what we used to do? I think about Bill Blake, right? He's not here right now. Bill Bakley used to be like the taxi driver of all you, for a lot of us here. You just can't do the same things you used to be able to do. As much as the desire is there like the apostles when they're in the garden, their desire is to pray with Jesus, but their eyes were heavy and they just fell asleep. There comes a point in our life where we can't do what we used to do anymore. Even spiritually speaking. And we have to recognize that. But we can't save up. We've got to expend that energy. We've got to do what we're supposed to do. And when that time comes, we make adjustments. But that's just what's going to happen. We're not going to be able to do it. And by the way, going out to do it and trying to do things you can't do may actually harm other people in that. No, that's what they're saying. It will quench out the lamp of Israel. Like you go out to battle and word starts getting out that we are weak because our king can't fight for us anymore. Guess what that does about all of us? We now become a target. Same thing can be said so spiritually speaking. Number three is that when we're tired, things that were once important to us become trivial to us. You can go back to Genesis 25 and I'll just reference this because most of us will know this passage. But that's when Esau sells his birthright. He comes out from hunting in the field and he is exhausted and he is weary. And Jacob has that food prepared. And Esau says, give me that food. And Jacob, being the little deceiver that he is, the little supplanter that he is, says, I'll give you the food if you give me your birthright. That double portion of the inheritance. And Esau is like, what good is that to me if I die? And so it says that he despised his birthright. Does that happen? When we're tired, we don't care about the details anymore. Like, the details don't mean anything. Like, I just want to get through this. I just want my family to be happy. I just want to be happy. I want. I don't care. I just want it to be over with. And so we'll make sacrifices. We'll give up those little things because they don't matter to me anymore because this is more important. When those things are still as equally as important now as they were, I just don't feel as they are important because I've let this other thing, this fatigue. And this battle become the most important thing. And so we don't pay attention to the tiny little things. So if you're going to get your car insurance renewed, right, and you go look on eSurance.com, I did this this morning. Because I was like, I'm pretty sure the most accidents happen within a few miles of your home. And lo and behold, of the fatal accidents, I believe it's 31% of them happen within 25 miles of your home. And they talk about it because people don't pay attention to details. You've done that over and over and over again. You're on autopilot. You're exhausted from work. You're exhausted from practice. Whatever the case, you just don't pay attention to the same details anymore. And so those important things become true. Then all it takes is that one little car or that one stop sign or that one traffic light that I didn't pay attention to. And spiritually speaking, it's the same thing. It's that one little passage that I decide that I'm going to disregard. And that is the one thing that keeps me from entering the kingdom of heaven. All because I got tired of it. And truth is, we just let our guard down. When we're tired, we don't want to put up the fight anymore. So in Judges, the fourth chapter, you have a man by the name of Sisera. He is fleeing after being chased. And this is that battle with Deborah and Barak. And he's going about and he finds a house as he's being chased. All his men are killed. And he finds a house in which the king has had friendly uh, ties with. Well, he comes in and the man of the house is not there. His wife, Jael is there. And she invites him into the house. And he asks for water. And you remember what she gave him? Milk, and she puts a blanket on it, and he goes right to sleep. And she walks up with that tent peg, and she smacks him clear in that temple. One strike, and he was dead. He got comfortable. We get comfortable when we're tired, and we're not First Peter eight. We are not sober. We are not watchful. We are not vigilant. Looking out for that lion, that roaring lion seeking to devour me. I'm just not as vigilant as I was because I'm exhausted. And so what do you think that, what do you think I gotta do about that? I gotta find ways to be more patient, more enduring, to still manage to keep my eyes open even when I am tired, right? And maybe look at it this way. Maybe it's when I'm tired, that is when Satan is going to be most able to get me. And so when I feel like I'm getting spiritually tired, maybe I say, hey man, I'm exhausted. Can you help me out? I speak to my brothers, my sisters. I say, hey, I need you right now. I'm burnt out. Someone came and told me earlier teaching a Bible class. I want to do it. I just can't right now. See, that's what happens when Bible class teachers have to teach every single quarter, every single year. And when the rest of us are sitting back and we're having a good old time, enjoying the teaching and the benefit that comes from that. It burns our people out. And the truth is, I want to close out with this from the 1 Samuel 14. That it makes it difficult. 1 Samuel 14, we didn't finish the rest of that story about Saul saying, hey, you can't have any food. Well, what the people did when they were finally able to have food, verse 31. They shrugged down the Philistines that day from Micmash to Ajalon, and the people were very faint. And the people pounced on the spoil, and they took sheep and oxen and calves and slaughtered them to the ground. And the people ate them with the blood. And Saul said, Behold, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. You see, it was against the law of the Lord to eat the blood of animals. See, what happens potentially when we get tired is our tiredness, our fatigue leads us to sin. That's what's going to happen. When we let our guard down, when we give up, when we don't put up the same fight, and when we don't hold on to the things that were so true and so right, it ultimately leads in sin. And so what we have to make sure that we are doing is building one another up that when we are tired and when we are fatigued, we're Aaron, we're her, we're uh, the men that helped David. We're those helping. And when we are exhausted, We have to make sure, hold on, keep going, keep your eyes open, stay awake, and I'll rest eventually. I'll get this back. I'm not giving up. I'm going till I drop. That is the kind of thing that God wants from us all. This morning, maybe you're ready to become a Christian. You're ready to devote your life and to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Great time to do it. Now's the time that you need the prayers. You say, man, I am weak. I need the help. Now's a great time to do it. Once you come now, you stand as we say.